Music on Mushrooms, a safe space for artists and musicians to explore the endless possibilities of creative expression. All right, we're recording. Okay, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Music on Mushrooms. I'm here with music educator slash jazz singer Maddie Avery. Oh, and wow. Yeah, that's, that's you, baby. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk a little bit about music today, and let's go ahead and get right into it. Can you introduce yourself and kind of what you do and mm. what you do as an artist? My name is Maddie Avery. <laughs> I don't know about music educator. I certainly didn't did get a degree in that, but I've definitely been coaching uh, high school kids for about, I suppose it's been like three years at this point. Well, um, I consider that education. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> it is in the education field, so yeah, sure. And that's, you know, that's been fun, and then uh, I also... Uh, gig around Las Vegas uh, every once in a while with my band Arcade Bops. You should check them out if you're listening. I will definitely link um, it. Yes. I've just been busy just doing that pretty much. Finding my footing, maybe doing a couple shows here and there, uh, community theater shows and such. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Okay, cool. So you did your undergraduate. We did our undergraduate together in Northern yes. Arizona University, and you did that in vocal performance. And mm-hmm. you specifically did it in classical vocal performance. So sure did. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> but we also did high school together. Went to we did. yeah, Las Vegas Academy, baby. Yeah. And now you kind of you do you still teach there? I've kind of been trying to make the transition out only because since I'm only being paid part-time for my work as, like, I'm not, like, an actual teacher-teacher, uh, it's kind of been hard to maintain a good enough income to live, if that makes sense. So yeah. if I still continue to go in every once in a while, it will be on top of the other job that I have. Um, so... Not as much as I used to, let's just say. I probably won't be there as often as I used to be. But, um, yeah, it's something that I kind of, I still have in my life, I suppose. You know? Oh, yeah, that sounds, it's kind of like a full circle moment. Because I remember Dude. looking up to the Parapros when we were in high school. <sighs> and then you, you just kind of leveled up. And now, I can't believe. No, yeah, I always think about shout out to our old pair of pros, Gianni and Jordan. Yeah. And Jason, of course, who I'm now in a band with as well with Jason. It's crazy. Um, it, it is kind of crazy to be around musicians now that you've looked up to for a long time and now they're like your peers and you have you know, the same or similar education as them and you're all kind of you know, yeah, being peers with people that you used to look up to is crazy town. Yeah, that's, it's freaky. I mean, I recently <sighs> did a teaching gig at Berkeley, so I was like, Whoa. oh my lord, we're getting that's up crazy. there. That's crazy, yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, I did um, awesome. the vocal choral intensive for high schoolers, so it's basically <sighs> what you did at LVA, except it oh was like God. an intensive, so it was like 12-hour days for two weeks, Holy. which was... <clears throat> Which was quite a lot, but you draining, know. eh? Do yeah. you find that uh, if you're coaching kids all day, uh, 
was it easy or hard for you to maintain a relationship with like private voice lessons? Um, I felt like it was a good balance. I don't have a lot of students right now in my private voice mm. studio, so it was kind of just it's pretty easy. And I also yeah. only schedule my students on the weekends, um, mm-hmm. so I can keep okay. my week free for gigs and stuff. Yeah, so it was it was fine, but. Yeah, I definitely want to build my studio more. Right, because I've found that, like, I I do enjoy the private aspect of teaching and teaching, like, young singers especially how to, like, use their belt and mix and stuff properly. I really have a passion for that, and I believe passionately that you should learn at a young age what that means for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But after doing it all day, most days... Ever like I tried a couple voice lessons here and there, but I was never able to keep up a consistent schedule because I would just be so drained after doing basically that all day long, you know? So it's kind of like there needs to be a balance for me uh, as far as, like, if I do take on private voice students, which I I would love to once the school year gets going, um, it, it just means, like... It's good that I won't be at LVA as much because it just it does take a lot out of me to do that all day and then turn around and do another private voice lesson when it's supposed to be the end of the day. Does that make sense? Like no, that's a lot, and so it's probably just scheduling them all in like a certain block, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you don't have to think about it all week. That's usually what I like to do because I'm like Sundays are just my singing and teaching days. Like I just sing at the church and then I teach some private voice lessons, and I, I mostly only teach. <clears throat> beginner and intermediate students because that's mm. what I enjoy the most. I want to I want to get people to where they feel comfortable with their voice. Especially with teaching music theory. I love teaching music theory to singers because we need we just need it. If you want to get paid oh as, a, as a singer, you have to learn how to read music and so I definitely like prefer teaching the beginner aspects of music theory because it's just easier for me honestly no, I mean well there's that <laughs> but I, I believe in that wholeheartedly as well because like you go into you know going into several different types of jazz gigs and trying to keep up with jazz musicians who are literally sometimes making shit up on the spot mm-hmm. <laughs> and you if you're a singer who doesn't understand music theory or form or basic stuff you're gonna get lost in that world and you're gonna it's just not gonna work out so i believe teaching at a young age basic music theory at at the very least you know yeah especially for things like that going into jazz music you have to have a really good ear um but i feel like there's a really big difference between like growing up in classical music and then transferring to like jazz music specifically because of the like the improv aspect of jazz and you kind of just have to be free and classical musicians are not given that permission in their normal studies so I'm kind of curious too so you, you started in classical music kind of in your undergrad but you were always doing like either like musical theater or like jazz things on the side and mm-hmm. so what kind of made you <clears throat> like switch from classical to jazz right so it's kind of always something that I've had a deep passion for and I think uh, luckily we were very privileged at LVA to have a vocal jazz program and I think that's where the passion really started for me because we kind of got a lot of one-on-one time with like the band and we got to learn a lot about form and scatting and that's where that kind of started developing 
kind of taking a break from that and going into classical singing, I knew it was something that would be so beneficial for me as a singer, but I always wanted to make sure that I was taking the technique that I was learning and applying it to all of my other different types of singings. Another type of music that I'm really passionate about or that I end up really liking even though sometimes I'm like oh this is so cringe I hate it musical theater is truly like I really enjoy doing it when I'm doing it you know what I mean and like I love to audition for shows that I like am passionate about and that I like and that I enjoy and that I enjoy singing and so you know classical music it's not that I never ever had a passion for it there uh uh, I actually don't think passion's the right word. I just think that I needed to go out of my way in order to take the technique I was learning that was good technique for, for classical music and and make sure I was applying it to other types of singing because that just felt like it make, that makes the most sense, you know? Like, it was a lot of work on my own, I suppose, though, especially for musical theater because I did have an outlet for jazz in college. We had our vocal jazz program, which was so fun. Yeah, it was good times. Uh, it was a good time. It was good times watching. I never joined. Well, <laughs> you know, Water. it was... I, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, I know. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was always a fun time watching. But, yeah, no, so... Uh, but especially with musical theater singing and, and other types of, like, rock and belt, uh, that's something that I ended up... I Okay, going back a ways, my dad is the one who taught me how to sing in my belt at a younger age. I learned that first, and so being able to be on my own and apply classical singing to that was a lot easier for me because I was finding what I was doing wrong by myself and adjusting, you know what I mean? So, yeah, if that if any of that makes sense. No, that makes sense because you're you're using the things that you learn from classical music and you're ex- you're expanding on that with your jazz technique and your belting mm-hmm. technique. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with a lot of classical singers what especially young singers that we work on is bringing your chest voice into your head presence. Mm-hmm. And so like making sure it's full and not breathy and so I feel like aspects of using that like chestier voice and bringing it into your classical singing is actually really beneficial so there's a lot of things that we can learn from all genres and it's really cool that you kind of dive into it and so you're doing some gigs around town and I'm really curious about like the specifics because I see your posts on Instagram or your mom's posts Um, (laughs) I know I never I gotta get better at that I'm a professional now I gotta like put myself on social media whenever she does post those those videos of you singing it's just such a oh you need to post more because your voice is just magical Uh, thank you (laughs) The band that I work the most with right now is Arcade Bops, and we are, it's, uh, yeah, it's a video game jazz group. So what we do is, there's lots of songs from video games, obviously, it's like great compositions and very recognizable themes, and uh, Carlos Mata, who is kind of like the leader (laughs) of the group, he plays the saxophone, and arranges all of our music to make it a little bit more like a fusion jazz kind of energy uh and it's it's been a lot of fun because that's video games are something that i love and that have been a big part of my life for a while so you know a lot of instrumental ones i love like they do some mario kart uh tracks you know that are recognizable and super jazzy i mean you know a lot of nintendo music is 
very much jazz and influence. virtuosic as fuck <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah dude um and then also there's like older songs that we do we do if you're familiar with animal crossing the the song from that that got really popular the dun 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 uh, we added words that has to do with like the, the video game that are really cute. And there's a lot more vocal music for video games than I guess I realized. It's like all around. It's like that thing where it's like all around us, but you don't fully totally realize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it do um, does Carlos does he also arrange for <clears throat> vocals when there's not a original vocal part? No. But there's also such a plethora of vocal music in in video games. Like, there's so much yeah, that I even previously thought. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking of, like, The Sims right now. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm talking about. <laughs> I totally do, yes. And you know what? It is funny. Because it's like, again, like, the Animal Crossing song doesn't necessarily have words. It's just a little Animal Crossing voice the beep 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 boop, you know like that's what it is but you know we had seen like an arrangement done where someone had added words and we used those words and then he arranged according to that but then there's also like <laughs> a lot of songs that are originally in uh video games are also translations from another language mainly like probably like japanese or something and so sometimes the hardest songs for me are the ones that are very obviously translated from another language uh very directly because the sentence structures don't exactly <laughs> make a whole bunch of sense, you know what I mean, in English, obviously. So, um, those are the ones that I found are hardest to, uh, like, memorize, I suppose, you know. Um, also, memorization is another thing. This is just an, a general thing. I've realized that in the professional world, especially when you're, like, a gigging musician, uh, the emphasis on memorization is basically none, until you start to obviously like with the more gigs I do with arcade bops the more songs that I am able to like get away from or only use the lyric sheet or instead of like a form um but I've found that professionally I mean even Megan Frankie the the the, te the choir teacher at LVA I've done a few like not gigs but just like like a guest spot for another choir while uh the while Academy Singers was on tour, which was really fun, but I was starting to stress out a little bit. Like, I was like, I can't, I don't know why, but the words aren't coming to me. She's like, oh, Maddie, don't try and memorize it. She's like, it's under-rehearsed. You guys are only going to have one day together. There's no, absolutely no reason. She's like, if I was doing this, I wouldn't try and memorize it. And I was like, that was honestly very eye-opening to hear because it's just like, the expectation is just that you come and, and, you know, as prepared as possible. Obviously, you're not wanting to be in the music, but you can still, like, it, it's not nobody in that world, in, like, the gigging world, unless it's specified, is asking for that. And I, I think that I find that so interesting because yeah. coming out of college, we're like... <laughs> you have to memorize six songs per semester, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, it's it's very um, pretentious and elitist. I can see why you have to memorize in certain instances for like if you're doing like theater, like musical theater and oh, opera. Well, yeah, that's yeah. like a given. But yeah. I feel like if you're if you're like on stage having a good time and you like glance at your music, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. cares. Even for like a recital, you know. Oh my god! And I found that so eye-opening especially for a recital i just did a recital with uh jason where i did like a french set with like five songs and it was gorge because i was like one thing i took away to classical music may not be my passion but i love french art song like i think it fits really well with my voice oh and yes I, mama yes I, I love my french art song so i loved oh we did Mostly Debussy, but then we did we snuck a few Ronaldo Hahn in there. Yes, we did okay. like the classics, like Lyric Skis and um, uh, 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 Ansardine, and you know Debussy. Well, I just, anyways, yeah, the the classics, Claire the de classic. Lune. Oh, of course. From the Fête Galante too, if anyone's familiar. The point is, is that the emphasis on memorization is just so non-existent. Teaching it. I think to young people is good because teaching the discipline that it takes to memorize a song is is very beneficial I feel but the emphasis that was put on it I believe is not uh, necessary <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean I agree with that it's, it's it's a lot of pressure it doesn't make for good music making when you're exactly. scared <laughs> oh my you know? god exactly exactly <laughs> you and want it to be joyful Right, you're already feeling nervous. I mean, I still get a little nervous before every... Like, I've done the Arcade Bobs gig for, like, months now. And I still am like, oh, this... What if I just completely royally screw everything up, you know? <laughs> or just, there's there's always that thing. But that's good, I think, because that's kind of the adrenaline rush that... It's part of the adrenaline rush that you get. And I feel as though if I didn't get nervous anymore, I wouldn't... Like, when I did... I did Mary Poppins last summer at Super Summer Theater, and uh, that was really fun. There, On the nights where I was, like, not feeling nervous to go on stage, I found that I would be not as present, if that makes sense. Mm. Because you need to be so on for the show. You need exactly. that adrenaline to be fully in it. And, exactly. and it helps. It's, of course, not to an unhealthy level, but, like, no. if there's just enough to motivate you to be good... And present, I, yeah. I find that at the beginning of performances, I get, like, the little handshakes sometimes. Yeah. And I hate that because I want to gesture. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to gesture so bad. But then but you're then handshaking. Like, oh, <laughs> but that usually you know? goes away, but it sucks because I'm like, damn. Yeah. They can see right through me. <laughs> oh, yeah. At the beginning of, of Mary Poppins, for instance, like, the first couple of shows, I got, like, the leg shakes really bad. And I was wearing, uh, you know, a full Victorian, like, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous outfit. It was, like, but a corset underneath, and so my legs were, like, like, and I, there, for the first, like, five minutes I'm on stage, I'm holding very still. And so that is almost harder, because it's, like, I have to be holding still, but there's so much jittery, like, movement in my body happening, I can't contain it. But that's good, though. I mean, as long as you hone that, I always teach, like the children to like hone that energy rather than saying oh don't be nervous I always just tell people like use that whatever that means to you just use that you know yeah I always tell my students to give that energy to the audience 
because yeah. sometimes when you're so enveloped in yourself, you forget that you're trying to connect with the audience and tell a story. And exactly. that's where your energy be, energy should be going is going outward. So <clears throat> I feel like that's really helpful. And kind of circling back to when you talked about when you don't get nervous, that's when you're not necessarily you're not as passionate about the performance. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you like any tips for maintaining like passion for music and singing, even mm. though it's like your source of income? Yeah, no. And and also maintaining the passion through school was I think feel the most difficult part yeah, and that's, that's because tough. that's just because school is hard as it is <laughs> it's and hard and it's soul sucking <laughs> soul sucking it just, just is yeah. like that's the reality and I try so I like I was so good about not saying that in front of the high schoolers that were literally getting ready to graduate and being all positive like mm. Uh, yeah, college. Yeah, I just music. I just told them to go with their gut always. Uh-huh. <laughs> like because oh my gosh, these people are getting swept into places that are just going to take your money. And money it just makes and me sad. Make you burn out almost immediately. Uh, I think that's a dangerous road to go down as well cuz if you are passionate about something and you put your all into it, sometimes without balance, it is not as rewarding because then it just becomes soul-sucking so to answer your question I have to find a balance of making sure that I'm doing other things that I'm that I'm passionate about having other hobbies besides just music because I feel as though I mean I, I love music and I love making music and I especially love like being in an environment where there are lots of musicians that I can learn from. You know what I mean? Like, especially instrumentalists, I feel as though I learn so much from other instrumentalists um, just because of the way that they carry themselves, the way that they go about a rehearsal, the way that they just go about a jam session even. I just love the energy. Um, So I learn, I make sure to like always keep myself open to those opportunities and learn from that. But then also having other, other things that keep me occupied, like because uh, you can find burnout so easily when it's a part of your income. And I, I honestly did, because LVA was taking up so much of my time, I did find a certain amount of burnout during the school year that was, like, very draining to me because I'm so passionate about making music. and But, like, being being in that environment all the time... It just it just became like a weird balance where I couldn't find. It was hard to keep the passion alive at, at a certain point and finding other things once again. Even if you're like if your job is in music, having either another job or like another outlet for creativity, I find is the most helpful thing because I don't want to like. Creativity is where I find happiness. And I feel, talking very openly, I found a lot of happiness. (laughs) I've been playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons recently. 
and uh, honest to God, that's such a fun, creative outlet for me. I saw all your dice. They're so pretty. Oh, my God. Aren't they so gorgeous? <laughs> no, they're so I'm cute. Sorry. I love showing people, and I've gotten so much more since since you last Oh, my God. I can't them. wait for the tour. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't stop buying those stupid little math rocks. I can't stop. <laughs> but uh, anyways, th- that's one of the things that kind of keeps me creatively stimulated while also you know it 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 helps kind of balance the burnout if that makes sense it helps just finding other passions in other creative things yeah so you're not thinking about it all the time or like constantly having to judge like especially if you're coaching all the time you're constantly having to give a critique as opposed to just like listening you know oh my god that is something that i found i like I don't like that necessarily, you know? I, w- I love to just listen and be able to listen. And sometimes I find even just watching any performance of anything, I find myself, like, critiquing, and then I'm like, what am I doing? You're not being... Stop that. Enjoy what's in front of you, you know what I mean? And that also comes from going to music school as well. Being in choir in college is probably the hardest on ourselves and our peers that we will ever be. Um, yeah, that was that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> it was because the the high standards and we held ourselves to such a high standard with with mm-hmm. that group, it mm. almost t- took away from the joy of music making. It was so yeah. intense because mm-hmm. you're constantly judging yourself, and because you're constantly judging yourself, you're projecting mm. that judgment onto other people. Oh my god! Always. And it's, yeah, it's a lot, and I found that now working in with professional choirs and like getting paid, it's so, so much more lax mm. and so much less like. <clears throat> everything has to be perfect it's more so let's make this music together and get that bread you know kind of vibe right and that's <laughs> I, that is exactly the the light too that's exactly like a professional gigging musician's energy you know like it's just like let's do the best we can right now let's do the best we can right now and it usually is pretty damn good anyway yeah, so it's like you know yeah, I think coming out of the world of always trying to hold yourself to like a perfect standard um, was healthy for me as a musician. You know what I was thinking of when we started? Yeah. The, the endless voice memos of us being, you know, under the influence of a certain hallucinogenic weed. We Under the influence of <laughs> we were high. Um, that is, yes. Uh, and, uh, and just like an hour, like 50 minutes to an hour and a half long conversation, just both of us just talking. And it's like nonsense. my own version. It's just it, mostly nonsense, but also there's a, there's a specific one that is so, it's so good and entertaining and and me you sam and zach are talking about which disney villain is the worst and i always go back like the most evil (laughs) and i always and i always go back to that one because we were having such an impassioned conversation (laughs) about who we think is the worst and i was like i think zach and i not an argument but we were both like okay but alternatively like we were very (laughs) scholastic in our arguments you're intellectuals that's (laughs) (laughs) we're intellectuals who care about a subject yes anyway it just made me think of that and i love that you're doing this podcast now because i think it's nice i think it just reminds me of the the golden days of yore the golden days Um, of yore yeah yeah. undergrad was 
You know, there was a lot of good times and a lot of really bad times, and it kind of all jumbles itself together. And I think I got amnesia when the pandemic happened because oh I don't God. remember most. Uh, I rem- I know the stuff that I learned. I'm like, okay, I learned this music. Uh-huh. I went to these classes, so I learned these subjects. Yeah. So yeah, but I don't remember a lot of a lot it. a lot of the schooling that happened. It was because the like twelve hour days for four years. Really that, does like, something. Really <laughs> turns your brain to mush. No, like also, literally. Also, like the only thing that I took away, like the only information that I can remember from the pandemic is the stuff I learned from my reggae reggaeton class. For some reason, the way that that class was structured and the way that we had to do it online made everything in my head click so well that I can still remember information about that to this day, like off the top of my head. There are other, like, you know, theory and uh, uh, other classes that I remember taking. I remember receiving information about it. But, like, my reggae reggaeton class was something that I just... Also a subject that I deeply enjoyed. And that type of music is something that I deeply connect with. And I didn't mind getting up every morning and making breakfast and listening to, like, an excerpt of Bob Marley every day. Like That, that just was, sounds like a good fucking time, honestly. It was a good fucking time. <laughs> you don't got to worry about nothing except for listening to the music and analyzing it. And analyzing it. And learning about the rich history that's behind that type of music, so... Yeah, I I feel like we did not get a lot of um i feel like our, our music education in our undergrad was not well-rounded in the sense that we only got one class and it was an elective that was on female compo- women composers mm-hmm. and then we only got one semester of world music when it should yeah. have been a whole fucking year no I've, i mean like like it's uh, it's very overtly um <clears throat> racist western westernized yeah. too yeah it is it is racist and too. i feel like i don't know as musicians we need to start or get more into performing newer works i feel like especially back then people uh, were performing the music of their day yeah we perform music from the past and i feel mm-hmm. like it would be more beneficial for our like communities in general for for modern composers to be like performed and stuff I that agree. aren't just you know the same thing over and over again because that's just boring. I agree I agree and I think that it, I think that applies strongly to the classical world um and also a little bit the jazz world you know I think that a lot of times in jazz clubs, especially if the audience is a little bit older, they expect to hear standards and they expect to hear, I want two, three, four, dum, 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 dum. You know what I'm saying? Like they expect to hear a certain type of it's jazz. It's always but the old people. It is. It but like jazz fusion, I've found there's so many like artists, especially ones that I discovered like in college and, and, uh, hearing different types of jazz and everything that it can be and uh you know that kind of stuff like it needs to be performed more and I'm happy that younger musicians around are like kind of not forcing it but kind of it's just like yeah I know that you want to hear this regular jazz tune uh, but also we're going to do a pop, uh, like a fusion version of that jazz tune and you're going to like it <laughs> because it's cool and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's such cool a rich and it's new and it's original and that's what mm-hmm. people want to hear. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like super showy. It can be simple, but it just has to be like something new. That's yeah. what I want. 
yeah, new stuff. I, I'm wondering, how do you find that in the classical world? I, I guess I'm just not as in tune. Well, the, here's the thing. You have to request that. So, like, if you're getting mm. repertoire recommendations from your teachers, you have to be like, oh, I, I was actually interested in looking at uh, maybe a, a piece by a modern composer that's alive, or maybe request repertoire that's by a woman or by a person of color. Just You, you have to be explicit, because if not, mm-hmm. it's not going to be given to you. Um, mm. It's going to be fully dependent on, you know... <clears throat> what the teachers around you expect that you need to know. Um, mm, but yeah. it, so it has to be on you as a student. And that sucks because yeah. we obviously want better for um, the young, youngins. The young, but unfortunately, uh-huh. the curriculum is kind of controlled by... Um, older people. Older people. Mm-hmm. And we need to... I don't know. I'm, we're just going to grow up and change the world, Maddie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can we yeah, do that? Yeah, we are. Yeah, I think we can. I'm still a kid, though. I'm 25, so don't expect too much. Right. Well, that's I'm the a, thing, too. We're also not a kid, though. <laughs> don't tell me that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we're, like, not. No, we're well, fully I was, adults. I yeah. was out with a... Not out. I was, like, on a little family vacation with some close family friends, and my friends, who are, like, closer to my age, like, 26 and 27... We were all, yeah, 25, 26, and 27, but we grew up together. So in our brains, we're, like, still kind of the kids. <laughs> and so our younger siblings who are there, we're like, yeah, the adults are over here talking about this, or we're going to wait for the adults. And then my friend's stepdad turns to us and is like, I got a news for you. You are the adults. And we all just kind of went, uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? I the guess fuck? you're like I, I. I guess that's true, but yeah. you know <laughs> what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I had it's a, just odd. I had an, a thought earlier in the shower. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I'm ten months away from being 26." <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's god! Because also <laughs> we are so far away from college, but it does feel so recent as well. Like. It, it was, was just snatched large, away from us. That it is true. Snatched. So many, so many things were snatched. The first, the first performance I was actually going to be passionate about in the lyric theater world in college was snatched when I was cast as the witch in Into the Woods, and that's that's my that's my actual dream role. Um, and of course, it was snatched. Like many things were snatched from us, you know, like just fully, fully snatched. Yeah, I had two mm-hmm. lead roles that were just gone. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, it's it's like um, and then <laughs> you weren't there, but we we watched Tiger King in the course of like one day. I was there. You were I there for that? that? Yes, oh I my was. god, it was oh lord, that was a time. And then we I found out that school was canceled when we were watching Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, literally the oh. opening sequence where uh-huh. everybody's just dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, the whole, all of the deaths in the opening sequence, and then it was like, oh, by the way, uh, school is now canceled forever. <laughs> we'll keep you updated, I guess. It was and so we dark. Like, it was actually, like, poetic, I think. A little, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, some, I, there's beautiful, this Midsummer's a gorge movie. Gorge. But then we were, you know hit with that <laughs> wasn't it like Zach's first time watching it or something or yeah, something it was something. someone's it was yeah <laughs> how do you think the pandemic has changed your view about making music with people 
I hate to be corny about it, but it's made me so much more grateful for every single thing. You know what I mean? I feel as though because it happened in the middle, even though so many things were snatched from us, because it happened in the middle of our college experience, uh, I think the sense of feeling totally, totally burnt out was maybe kind of like I got to be a little bit reborn as far as making music goes. Uh, I don't know, just the opportunities that I was able to get afterwards were not opportunities that wouldn't be available to me if the pandemic didn't happen. But it's just make like I remember being so sad that one holiday dinner when we all like did it virtually and we all had to record ourselves virtual choir any virtual choir thing really take your pick I was just like what are we this is the worst I want to go sit in a rehearsal room for an hour and a half and be frustrated with the with the with myself and the people around me I would prefer that to just doing it alone in my house yeah you doing know the fucking click tracks oh I'm my gonna, god i'm I, gonna <laughs> i'm gonna go into a rage i, <laughs> I hated it so much. hated it so much especially because it had to be one take yeah we had to do it all in one take so you'd make it like a, you know a third of a way through the song and then you'd fuck up royally enough where you're like okay <laughs> <sighs> but when you're live you have Ten other people sing singing the same shit, and so you just keep on going. Mm-hmm. But now we're mm-hmm. forced to actually be singing the right notes at the right time, and that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's to a ask lot. Of me. <laughs> as a as a singer, how dare you? How dare you expect me to sing the correct things? I'm appalled. Yeah, it's disgusting, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my rhythm isn't right. Will you check your rhythm? Yeah, how about you check your rhythm then if you're Mr. Perfect? <laughs> no, but it's a uh, it was a the struggle was so real and I do feel as though now as a musician I just feel I, I like just this deep gratitude for live music and especially kind of also still performing while the transition to live music happening again was happening and and watching also going right into working in high school watching the children be who like who were freshmen and then were seniors all of a sudden who got basically all of their performance opportunities taken away then transition into doing live performance and watching them be whether or not they could like articulate this they're children after all like watching them experience that i think helped lift me up as far as just like god like so much all around us was taken away so quickly just snatched ripped and uh and then just being able to come back and also audiences being more receptive to music and live performance because everyone's just like I'm just happy to be here (laughs) you know obviously that'll die off that's maybe already has started to die off and audience etiquette is an all-time abysmal low because everyone forgot apparently how to act (laughs) in public but yeah you know there are yeah there are its own downs and ups too I definitely got weirder after the pandemic I got a little weirder. I yeah. think everyone got a little weirder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean by that, though? I, weirder as in, like, 
um, social interactions. Like, you literally had to learn how to be in public again without masks suddenly. Oh, yeah. Like, because the masks are kind of like a barrier between people. So you had to learn how to read eyes. Yeah. And then you had to go back to, like, reading people's faces and seeing people's faces for the first time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trippy. It was a lot. It was... You know, that... I, I think it definitely... I already was kind of a pretty socially anxious person. Um, but after that, after only interacting with about hmm, five or six people for about a year in person, because it was you, Sam, Zach. I would literally only, because I lived alone at the time, I was grateful that we lived in a small place like Flagstaff, because I was feeling safe enough to go over to your house and then to Sebastian's house so that I didn't have to stew in my apartment and, like, spiral. Which happened anyway, but, but being able to, being able to, like, be around people was really helpful in that moment. But also, it, it you, when you're comfortable with a group of people and then going out and trying to have, like, brand new social interactions I could literally shit myself every time like it's still <laughs> yeah. so terrifying to meet new people and to like be in that arena which is interesting because as a professional musician you're always meeting new people you have you're, to meet new people you or you don't get jobs <laughs> yep you have to network you have to do all that shit and it is such a terrifying thing I'm so hyper aware of what my face is doing as well I, even though I've never been super good at the facial expression thing, I'm the I'm the fix your face friend. I'm the one that everyone's like, Maddie, fix your face, dude. And I'm like, Iconic. sorry, I can't <laughs> can't hide how I'm feeling about this person in front of me here. No, you know? it's no, honestly, it's it's very entertaining. So I say continue. <laughs> you know, it it gets it. it you know how I feel about you right off the bat. That's there you go. For better or for worse. No, I also I, have a facial expression thing. Like when I've had like mm, a long mm. day and the train is full, oh. you're not going to see a smile anywhere near my face. No, 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 no. no I no. don't. I don't know who God is. I don't know Jesus anymore. I don't know <laughs> any uh, extra. There's no. There's go, no good left in the world. <laughs> there's no good. When the you train get on is a, full. Oh my God, um. Maddie, you're okay. <laughs> you, you have no idea what I go through on the East Coast because you've been on, you've been in Arizona and Nevada, and yep. then I mean you've also like been in California recently, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. you have no the train system here. Oh, is, I believe it. Getting well, on the train, like, like you're packed like sardines, and you're like, okay, mm. let's just get home. Well, it's probably <laughs> worse. It's a worse feeling too, because like in I living in Europe for two months, which I did, the train system was very easy to navigate, and it was also like there's trains everywhere, and buses. Ever there's so many different types of transfer transportation and so much room to have all that that it's like oh, the energy was probably. It's it's nowhere near the same as like a New York train. I've been on a New York train before. It was a nightmare. I was only like <laughs> five, but I remember it to this day. I saw this huge subway rat about this like a foot long, and oh, it got Lord. run over by a train. I saw it in front of me happen, and I was like, "This is a terrifying place." <laughs> um, but blood sacrifice. Right. <laughs> uh, 
No, yeah, so I I believe you wholeheartedly. I have no <laughs> idea, like, all the energy, too. Every time I see a, like, train performance, like, I performed my original song on the train. I'm like, no one wanted to hear Literally, that. Literally, shut up. Oh, my God. No one wanted to hear that. <laughs> Busking is a different story. You go busk. Be in the, like, station and, and yeah, do your damn thing. I like, love whatever. Shit. Love that shit. When you are invading people's ride home, when every single person is just trying to get somewhere and they don't want to talk, they don't want to interact, they just want to get off the train. <laughs> and you are like, I'm providing so much joy to this train. No, you're not. No, you're not. Like, call me a pessimist or maybe a realist, but nobody wants to hear that shit. <laughs> there was one time where it was a group of people going to, like, the Red Sox game on the train, and it's always oh, so crowded God. during those times. It's impossible uh-huh. to get on a train. This guy put a speaker out and was playing Party in the USA, and I was done for the day. And oh. I was like, I almost, I turned around and I was like, hey, do you mind turning that down? And he looked at me like I was an alien. And so, <laughs> and so I just turned back around and I said, all right. I'm going to get off this train and get on the next. <laughs> You're like, at least these Red Sox fans won't be on my next train, goddammit. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's okay. Wow. I, for- I forgive them. Yeah. I, I do. Is there, like, a magic to living in a big city like that? Because everyone is always, like, everyone is always, like, oh, yeah, the big city. I, RuPaul. It's, it's magical. It's crowded. Everybody's really hot, like, really attractive. But like fashion's you, big in the East Coast, I hear. Yes, exactly. So you get on the train and it's literally like a runway. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, and so you feel like you have to be cute, and I'm like, but I, I don't wanna. I just want. I don't want that. No, exactly. Like, because I feel like it's so much more casual. Where I don't know in Vegas, you can see people wearing whatever the fuck they want. Oh, but then yeah. I come here and I have to look hot. Right. Yeah. What? I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't that understand. is also the East Coast is just very European in that way. I feel because like that's another very like it's like a it was in Siena specifically. Maybe it was just unique, but I don't think so. Like every, it's like a runway show every day. Everyone gets dressed up just right for every occasion, and I'm like, I don't know how to. I don't know how to keep up with this. I'm not. I've, yeah. I've not been used to that. No, I've been. I, it's so out of my element. I'm like, mm. what? I'm not a fashion girl. I'm a. I I'm a loosey goosey kind of gal. Oh, I'm not Lucy, like the other yeah, girls. Yeah. I, no, no, I'm loosey goosey. I am like the other girls in that aspect, actually. I, I um, love being like the other girls. I love by being the way. like the other girls. The other girls are hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, RuPaul always said. L.A. is not a place, it's an idea. I feel the same maybe goes for New York or Boston or a big city on the East Coast like that. A lot of people go into it with an idea of how they want it to be. And it isn't that. It's just a city. It's a big old city with stinky people that are also very sexy, but you're also like, I don't... Emotionally intelligent? No. 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 Dating in Boston? Um, Don't. If I if I mm. could give you guys advice, don't date in yeah. Boston, especially okay. if they're a tenor. Um, oh well, that's just a general. No, don't that's date just a, that's just yeah. You're right. 
don't date a tenor. That's kind of... <laughs> Anywhere you are. <laughs> that could be the title of the podcast. We've no. only talked about this for about five minutes, but we could just... <laughs> that could be the title. Clickbait. No, I don't want to do clickbait. I feel like... <laughs> Unless it's, like, something that we've talked about for longer. Like, right. what's a clickbait we could do for this one? Um... Don't waste your money at school. <laughs> oh my god. Music school kidding, is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> that could be... <laughs> Even though we did talk for a while about how it's not really that pointless. It's not pointless. Yeah. It is... It's soul-sucking, not pointless. <clears throat> that is the yeah. conclusion. Yeah. And Go somewhere that gives you the most money. Absolutely. That's, it should be that's money totally first. It. If they value you mm-hmm. and they want you to go there, they will give you money. They'll give you money. And if Absolutely. they don't give you money, you tell them to... You, you just tell them. Yeah, tell them. You tell them. <laughs> you tell them everything. You just tell them, you know? No, they won't <clears throat> listen, but that's okay. No, for real. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for doing a podcast with me. It's so oh my fun. God. It was a pleasure. I hope to maybe do this again sometime. Yes. And to everybody listening, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. And be nice. Or I'll, or I'll kill you. Just kidding. <laughs> Same. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, be good to each other. Love you. Yay. <laughs>